It is awesome to be back in Illinois, believe it or not. It's good to be back. We've been in Michigan a couple of weeks with uh, some prayer and planning and just uh, trying to focus for what God has in our third and fourth quarter. And we're excited. We're excited about the plans till the end of the year. Again, we're going to continue our series about keeping it positive. And today I kind of want to talk to those who maybe have lost a little bit of that spiritual passion. Anybody ever kind of lose a little bit of that spiritual passion? You know, because I'm guessing of the complications of the COVID time and the summer season, uh, that there's some of you that at one point in your life, you're like, man, I found myself, I was really close to God and I could feel his leading and his presence was with me. Man, when I read his word, it was like he was speaking directly to me. But you know, sometimes, somehow, somewhere along the way, we can lose that spiritual passion, some of that in enthusiasm you might say of the spiritual things some of that intimacy you might say so if you find yourself a little bit unenthusiastic about life or unenthusiastic about your life in God today is the message for you you know that struggle something that I understand when I came to Christ um, you know a little bit of piece of my story some of you like me could say, how many say you had a little bit of a wild spell? Anybody out there have a little bit? Come on, lift those hands up. Had a little bit of a wild spell. You know, we were just kind of making our testimony, okay? But somewhere along the way, God caught up with me, and I started seeking him and finding him in a Bible study. Bible study. But in that Bible study and through a preacher that came up from uh, Louisiana, I was radically and indescribably changed and transformed from the inside out by the grace of God. I mean, it went from wild party guy to the wild evangelistic guy that was radical for God and wanted everybody to know God and be knowing what he's about. Anytime the doors were open at church, I was there. Small groups, I was there. You know, we even made a fire. We even uh, made a physical fire, and I took all my rock t-shirts, and uh, how many know what a cassette is? If you know what a cassette is, raise your hand up. Anybody know what a cassette is? How many know what an eight-track is? Raise your hand up. Come on now. Woo, baby. But I, I remember I, I took all of my cassette tapes of all my rock and roll and all my, my Guns and Roses and, and all, Twisted Sister and all this stuff, and I threw them away, and I burned everything, and I burnt my T-shirts, anything that remote made me think about the world I wanted to get rid of it because I didn't want this world anymore how many know what I'm talking about I didn't want this world any me fun to me was prayer meeting and street witnessing you know I, I even put down TV I was like man I, I, not, I didn't even watch TV for like six years and, and and football was a hard one to give up I didn't watch football in fact I had tickets to go see LSU Tigers play and I didn't go because I was afraid that that pool would still be on my heart to want to go play football and that kind of stuff but that radical change happened and then when we were in Bible college all we did is we were like man I can't wait till I get to be in the ministry I can't wait till I can pastor, man, to preach for the Lord, to work in the ministry. I want to give my life to the Lord and all that stuff. Well, at 19 years old, I found myself as a senior pastor in a Baptist church in Thornfield, Missouri. And I started pastoring, and I've been in the full-time ministry for 34 years. But about that fourth year into my ministry, we're talking about losing that spiritual passion. About the fourth year in that ministry, that I wanted so bad. I remember I got a phone call, and it was Jane Tafter, and it was her family. 
And her family said, can you come out real quick? Mom's not doing good, and we think she's going to pass away and go on to be with the Lord. And need to say that probably 60% of that family were non-churchgoers and didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I should have been enthusiastically excited about this opportunity. Instead, I was grouching. I was pulling my britches on. I was tying my shoes. I was pushing the closet shut. I was grunting around and, and complaining and grumbling. And Carmen said, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's going on? And I said, oh, I got to go out and because it's in the middle of the night. And I was like, oh, I got to go out and be with this lady that's, it sounds horrible, doesn't it? I'm just being real with you. I got to go out and be with this person and blah, blah, blah. And man, when I got in the car, the Lord got on me like ugly on an ape. Anybody know what ugly on an ape is? The Lord got on me like ugly on an ape. And he was like, son, what's going on here? What's going on? Do you realize that what you're complaining about is the very thing that you've been praying about and wanted to do your whole life? Brothers and sisters, it's so easy sometimes. All of us want God. All of us want the things of God. All of us want to do what God wants us to do. But sometime, somewhere, in some place, something can come in and rob that spiritual enthusiasm so we're talking about on staying positive is keeping that enthusiasm you might want to write this down there's two types of people in the world there's those that let circumstances influence their enthusiasm and then there's those who let enthusiasm influence their circumstances and I want to ask you which one are you are you those who let what's going on around you determine their mood their posture their perspective or are you those who let what's going on inside of them influence the climate, the atmosphere, and you change the space that it's around you? Did you know the word enthusiasm? This is interesting. The word enthusiasm actually comes from the Greek word that means on, and that means in, and then theos. How many have heard of theology, the study of God? So enthusiasm actually comes from the word on theos. And on Theo simply means in God or to be filled with God overflowing. So if you want to have spirit, true spiritual enthusiasm, how, how many want true spiritual enthusiasm? This isn't something you can work up. This isn't something you can conjure up. This isn't something you can make or create. It literally means it literally, true spiritual enthusiasm. The enthusiasm, it's a product of the posture of your heart, your time with God. It's born in the presence of God, and it's kept by the power of God. You know, I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and 58, if you want to look at that. It says, but thanks be to God, but thank, but thank God. Somebody say, thank you, God. If you're watching online, type that in your chat. Thank you, God. But thank God that he gives us victory over sin and death. Now, I want to say that again because I know some of you meant to be a lot more enthusiastic about that. Who's enthusiastic that our God, Jesus Christ, has set us free from sin and given us victory over sin and over death? Can I hear that today? Somebody enthusiastically excited about that. Well, he said, my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, be strong, steady, and immovable. I like this. Always work. I love this. He said, whatever you do, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do, here it is, that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. 
I love that thought. It's not what you do that makes it mean, that makes meaning life meaningful, but it's who you do it for. Anybody on enthusiasm? To keep enthusiasm, it's not about what you're doing in life, but you shift your thinking and your focus to who you're doing it for. Anybody out there say amen. You know, Carmen usually does the cooking, so I do the dishes. Who likes dishes, right? Who likes dishes, right? I never liked doing dishes until one day Carmen said, man, it really gets me when you do the dishes. Man, I love it. It means a lot to me when you do the dishes. Uh, and I was like, oh, really? It means a lot? Really? Really? So now then, when I do the dishes, I'm like sliding in. I slide in and I grab the plates and I spin them just right and I clean them. And then I grab that plate and I stick it on my finger and I roll it just like a basketball on my hand. And I look at Carmen and I wipe my chest off a little bit. I'm bravely doing the dishes for the one I love. I'm telling you, in the things that seem meaningless, in the things that seem mundane, and things you don't appreciate and you can't have enthusiasm about, remember, it's not what you're doing, but somebody give the Lord praise. It's who you're doing it for. It's who you're doing it for. That's how you keep. It said always work with enthusiasm for the Lord. So the Bible, so enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is something that you can have and something that you can lose very easily. I look at enthusiasm and passion as um, almost like being a keeper of a fire. In fact, in 1 Samuel, uh, the Bible says that the light of God went out in the temple. And you know, the priests of that day, they were supposed to keep that fire going. How many know how that fire got started? When they built the temple of the Lord, God actually lit the fire the first time. How many knew that? Fire from heaven literally lit the temple offering the first time. So all the priests had to do was to keep that fire going. So how many of you had the fire of God when you got born again, God lights a fire in your heart to where you're enthusiastically and passionate about the things of the Lord. But keeping that fire, maintaining that flame. When it said, air the light of the Lord went off in the temple, it talks about because those boys had their mind on earthly things and worldly things. In fact, anybody ever heard that word Ichabod? Anybody heard the word Ichabod? Anybody heard that word? Ichabod means the presence of the Lord is gone. So when we don't have that enthusiasm and that excitement about the Lord and keeping that fresh, it can, it can really affect the presence and how you feel about the things of God. So enthusiasm is something you can have, but can also be lost. One of the most passionate, spiritually charged people in the whole Bible, I think, is David. David started off a kid who grew up to become a king. He had a spiritual enthusiasm, but we're going to see later in his life that he lost that somewhere. In the story of David and Goliath, the Philistine army was at war with the Israelite army, and they'd often pick out representative warriors to do battle, and they'd declare the winner of the two so everybody wouldn't have to fight. The Philistines had this massive giant named Goliath. The Israelites had nobody that would stand up against this guy. Everybody would like, like hiding in the trenches. Nobody would stand up to this guy. He'd come out every day and mock him. And then a little shepherd boy, come on, 
a kid named David brought some cheese and crackers and some drinks to his brothers that were supposed to be vet were, were supposed to be veteran soldiers and people of war. They were hiding in the trenches as veterans of war, but David the kid had an enthusiasm that got the whole army so shook up that he said, who is this mealy mouth out here? Isn't there a cause that he got the whole army so riled up that Saul, the commander of the army, said, who got the army all riled up? And they said, oh, this little boy, this kid named David, this kid named David, he had a spiritual enthusiasm. I want to go back. Can enthusiasm be something you work up? Can enthusiasm be, a, be something that you can do? No. Enthusiasm is a byproduct of being in the presence of God because enthusiasm comes from the word antheos, which means in God. Somebody say in God. So the reason David was passionate and the reason he was enthusiastic is because he was in God. To the point he went up to that Philistine. How could you do this? He said, you come to me. You come, think of a kid, a nine-foot giant. You come to me with a spear and a javelin, but I come to you, I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you're defying, and I'm not really happy about it, this day, not tomorrow, this little kid said, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Since the enthusiasm... I will strike you down and I'll cut off your head this very day. This day, I'll give the carcasses of your whole army to the birds and the animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Can somebody say amen? That's some enthusiasm. How do you have that kind of enthusiasm? I'm talking about this is pure antheos. This is no human confidence here. This is raw from the gut, spiritual enthusiasm born out of time in the presence of a living God. A whole veteran army of, of, of expert warriors didn't have it, but he had it. Where did he get it? Where did he get this on-dwelling, inner-dwelling, spiritual enthusiasm? I got three thoughts on that. Where did David's enthusiasm come through? Write this down. One, he trusted God. Two, he walked with God daily. Say he trusted God daily. He trusted God daily. Say he walked with God daily. He walked with God daily. And say he worshiped God daily. Say that, he worshiped God what? What's the key word? What's the key word? What's the key word? He walked with God. He worshiped the Lord. He trusted the Lord daily. He trusted God. How could he fight a giant? Because he'd already fought a lion and a bear. He'd already had somebody, a circumstance or a situation that was affecting his job, was affecting who he was. A, a lion and a bear came to kill his sheep. And the spirit of the Lord whom he trusted in empowered him to where he literally pulled their jaws apart. And that's why he trusted God in the day of the battle. I, I, see, I, I think this is powerful. Write this down. Since David trusted God the day before the battle, he could trust God today in the battle. I want to say that again. Since David trusted God the day before in the battle, he could trust God today in the battle. You can trust God in your storm. He trusted God daily. He walked with God. 
This is the guy that said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me inside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me, navigates me in the right path. I'm confident I'm walking in the path of the Lord. Yea, when I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I don't fear anything because God's rod and staff are with me. Man, he prepares a table before me in the very presence of my enemy. He anoints my head with oil daily. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Why could he do that? He walked with God. You can't have that come out of you. What you put in is going to come out. What you put in is going to come out. On Theos, what you put in is the enthusiasm. It's going to come out. He trusted God. He walked with God. And he worshiped God daily. Man, I think it's harder to worship outside because there's so many distractions. And to be quite frank with you, it's kind of bothered me a little bit because I feel like our church isn't worshiping like we used to. But I'm okay with that because it might be a season. David worshiped. Hey, it's not a denomination. Worship isn't a denomination. Like if I'm a Methodist, I do or don't. And if I'm Baptist, I do or don't. No, worship is a lifestyle of a believer that loves the Lord. Clapping your hands, all you people. Shouting unto God with a voice of triumph. Dancing before the Lord. Lifting your hands before the Lord. This is all worship. It's all worship to the Lord. David was a worshiper. Man, he worshiped God so much. That when they brought the Ark of the, God, Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem where it was supposed to be, and the Ark of God signified the presence of God. David was so enthusiastically dancing before the Lord that he danced himself right out of part of his clothes. Are you all with me today? Anybody dance your way out of your clothes today? All right, David, did. he worshiped God. He trusted God. He walked with God. David had two seasons in his life. He had a season when he had it. He also had a season when he lost it. If you fast forward in David's life, the Bible says, in the time when the kings go off a war, which was springtime, the time that he should have been in battle, he actually stayed at home. We're talking about spiritual enthusiasm and maintaining that. The reason David lost that is because he got out of the battle when he was supposed to be in it. How many's in it to win it? Come on, are you in it to win it? Or are you just kind of a bystander hoping you find heaven? How many's in it to win it? David was, he, he went through a time when he wasn't, listen to this, when he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he climbed up on a roof and saw something that he wasn't supposed to see. Have you ever been somewhere that you're not supposed to be? Somebody say amen. Have you ever seen something or saw something that you weren't supposed to see? Somebody say amen. It's because you weren't in the battle where we were supposed to be. So, so when he wasn't where he was supposed to be and he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, he saw something he wasn't supposed to see. Then he did something he should have never done and it cost him and a lot of people something very, very tough. How many know what it cost him? He saw a woman bathing naked. And he went and had adultery with her. And then he had her husband killed. And the reason that happened, I want you to write this down. As a kid with enthusiasm, on Theos. What does on Theos mean? Let me hear you. Huh? Say louder. On Theos means in God. As a kid with enthusiasm, David ran into the battle to serve his God. 
And later as a king with apathy, David walked on a roof to serve his comfort. I want to ask you today, are you running to the battle or walking on a roof serving your comfort? That's something you need to ask yourself and be honest with yourself. How did a man so spiritually filled as a kid lose it as a king? The answer is he took his eyes off his calling and he started serving his comforts. And my question to you today is which one represents you? Are you full of entheos, enthusiasm because you're with God? Whatever you do, it's not meaningless because it's about him and it's what about him? Or do you find yourself kind of spiritually comfortable and complacent? Which one represents you? Are you charging into battle? Saying, you uncircumcised Philistine, who do you think you are to found the armies of God? I'm going to give your head to the fowls of the air today. Is that the way you are with your battles? Or your battles overtaking you and you're complacent, you're in apathy? Which one? If you're the latter, admit it. Because we're a church of good news. Somebody say good news. We're a church of good news. And the good news is my observation, to me, my observation is in, in most people, my opinion, they've, locked, they, they've, they've fallen into one of these two extremes where you're either all the way or you're nothing. I want to say this thought. On the, on the person that's in the extreme where they're in complacency, I wanted to say this thought. Human nature just doesn't drift towards God. Human nature just doesn't drift towards discipline. My human nature just doesn't drift towards eating clean, being healthy. Human nature just doesn't drift towards good decisions. Human nature just doesn't drift towards the things that are good for us. We don't wake up every day and say, oh, boy, it's time to go pray and seek God. No, we usually wake up, oh, man. Okay? We just, we tend to drift towards complacency and apathy and towards self-centered attitudes. So which one best represents you? If you've lost your enthusiasm or your passion, let's get to the good news. David had it. Then he lost it. How did he get it back? How can you get it back? How can Pastor Brian get it back? You know, i got to be honest with you. I, I've wrestled with this. I should say this or not all week. But you know, I've actually been baptized four times. I was baptized as a child in a Methodist church, infant baptism. And then I was baptized when I came to Christ at 18. But there's been two times in my life to where I got in spiritual apathy and complacency and that comfortness to where I just need to set the, hit the reset button. And I actually was water baptized once in Michigan with a pastor friend. And then I was baptized another time because I just wanted to reiterate the newness that I wanted God to have in my life. But Nathan the prophet went up to David when he fell away. And, and, he, and, he, and David wrote down this powerful psalm. This is how you can come back to God. You can say right now, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a, your spirit within me. Restore the joy of my salvation. And grant me a willing spirit that can be sustained. 
Keep in mind, this guy just committed adultery and killed the husband. He was asking God to create and to do it again. Do you realize that those, the punishment for both of those sins in the Old Testament was stoning till death? Both of them. And the Bible says in the New Testament that David operated in faith even before Jesus Christ to where his sin and the consequences of his sin, he was pardoned through faith and the righteousness of God was given to him because of his belief. So I'm telling you today, when you put your belief in God, that God will make a great exchange and he will take your sin He will take your mistakes. He will take your shortcomings. He will take those things that torment you and rob you of peace in the presence of God. And he'll put them under the blood. And the Bible says that the blood of goats cannot purge a human conscience. But the blood of Jesus can purge a human's conscience. He can take that guilt. He can take that shame. He can take that sin away and restore a willing spirit into you. He can refill, he can renew, he can rejoice, he can redo. Jesus said to the believers in Ephesus, we're talking about how do I get my spiritual passion back? And I know the Holy Spirit's talking to some of you because I see it, I feel it. The Holy Spirit's talking to some of you. In Revelations 2, Jesus said, I hold this against you. He said it to the church of Ephesus. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Remember my story? I forsook that love I had at first. Consider how far you have fallen and do the things that you did at first. In other words, do it again. He said, so how do I get back? You've forsaken the love you first had. Guys, this is powerful and you have to see this. You didn't lose it. You left it. God isn't something you lose like a quarter. Or something you lose God is something you leave and when you leave God he even pursues you then some of you think that you've just left God but when you lay down at night or when you're alone or you're by yourself you hear the Holy Spirit prompting you and saying come back to me my daughter come back to me my son that's the Holy Spirit pulling you back he said consider In other words, you didn't lose me, you left me. Just come back. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. Who wants to say, who wants to just come back to the Lord today? Come back to that peace. Come back to that love. Come back. Pure is the best. And then he said, consider how far that you have fallen. Just for a moment, you might want to do that. Consider how far have you drifted away? Some of you may not even realize that you have. Consider the intimacy you once had, that you walked away. Consider the power that was with you, the presence that was with you. Consider how far you've fallen. Take an observation of that. And then I love this. It says, repent and do the things you did at first again. In other words, honestly look, commit to the change of direction. Repent means two things. It means that you're sorry. Have you ever met somebody that the only reason they were sorry is because they got caught? Okay, that's a a sorrow that didn't lead to repentance. In fact, the Bible says that Esau wept with many tears, but he never found forgiveness or repentance. In other words, you can have sorrow but not repentance. 
So repentance is you have sorrow, but then you also have a change of direction. Consider how far you repent and do what you did again. Well, what'd you do, Brian? I remember I used to be so hungry for the Lord, I'd get up at 4 a.m. and go walk with him. If I didn't spend two or three hours with the Lord, I thought I was backslidden. I had such a hunger for the Lord. I had a hunger for church. I had a hunger for his people. I had a hunger to serve in ministry and to do things for him. But I woke up four years later throwing and pitching a fit because I got to go help a lady dying in her unsaved family. What happened there? What happened there? You know, a lot of people, as we close today, a lot of people say, how do you keep your passion all the time, Pastor Brian? You want me to answer that honest? How many want an honest answer to that? If you want an honest answer, let me see your hands. How do you keep your spiritual passion? Honestly, my answer is I don't all the time. But when I do is when I'm trusting him, I'm walking with him, and I'm worshiping him. They think you're a pastor and you never have a bad day. No, it's the opposite. I feel like I'm under attack even more. My faith gets under attack. My mindset gets under attack. Even my mood gets under attack. Just ask Carmen. And she's saying, amen, in a very feminine voice. So what I do, I go back to the beginnings. I get hungry for what it was, and it pushes me to be there again. I get thanks to God, and I realize he's delivered me from sin and death. And then I go back to what I did at first. I let his word strengthen my soul. I let his Holy Spirit, listen, I let his spirit correct my sin. I encourage me, he, I let him encourage me out of discouragement. I let his word build my faith so fear can go away. I worship him, not for who or what I see, but for who he is. Write this down. Then I do what I know, even if I don't feel it. Anybody out there, this changed my life. 30 years ago when somebody said, do what you know, not what you feel. I do what I know, not what I feel. And I do it enthusiastically with all my heart to my God. And that can transform this mundane attitude that I have because I'm doing it for God. Remember, there's two types of people. Those who let their circumstances, their fear, panic, anxiety, influence, influence the posture of their heart and their spiritual temperature. And then there are those who let enthusiasm in God, born out of the presence of God, influence their environment, dictate their mood, set the temperature around them, build the faith and the energy with those that walk around you, with every head bowed and eyes closed. So Father, today I thank you for every person that's able to gather today, those that are on church online, those that are on YouTube, those that are in Naples, Florida, those that are in other countries, those that are inside the church, those that are outside here, we gather today. And Lord, I pray, will you infuse this place with your presence? Right now, come on, shut your eyes and get into the Holy Spirit and ask the Lord to infuse you with his presence. As you're praying today, wherever you're at, who would say, I've lost a little bit of enthusiasm, Brian? A little bit of my passion, my faith. Who would say I've lost a little bit and I want to get it back?
If that's you today, wherever you're at, if you're looking online or you're here today, lift your hand up. Lift your hand up and say, yes, that's me. Come on, lift them up. Lift them up. Lift them up all over this place and say, that's me today. I've lost a little bit of that. If you're watching today, I want you to write it in the chat. I'm going to write in the chat. I'm getting back to God. I'm getting back to the presence of God today. If that's you today, let's stand to our feet today. If that's you today, come on all over this place. Let's just stand up today. All over this place. Let's begin to worship the Lord today. Worship His presence. Come on, say, God, I want to trust you today. God, I want to be in God. I want to walk with you. If you've not been walking with God, tell Him you want to walk with Him. If you've been complaining, tell Him you want to praise Him. Hallelujah. If you've got things in your life that need corrected, ask the Holy Spirit to correct you. Come on right now. Say, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming back to you. Come on, I'm coming back to you. I want to serve you with spiritual passion. Give me a hunger for you. You know, salvation, as you keep praying today, as people keep praying, there may be some of you that you don't recognize. You don't have any spiritual passion or any enthusiasm at all. But there's something drawing you right now to relationship with God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, sin has robbed you and sin robbed me of a relationship with God. And the Bible is unbelievably clear that we've all sinned against a holy God. And that's why we feel remorse and guilt and shame. That's not an accident. It's because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. If you're feeling that today, if you're feeling like you're falling short of the glory of God, of God's standard, you can never get back into His right standing. It's impossible. You can't do it. You can't be holy enough. You can't be good enough. You can't be perfect enough. This is why the gospel means good news. And the good news is this, that God so loved the world so much that he became like you in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, the son of God, who never sinned. He never sinned. He died on a cross in our place so he could forgive sin. And God raised him from the dead so God can raise you from the deadness that you have where you can be in relationship with him. It doesn't matter what part of the world you're at. I was walking around this morning and I felt like people made bad choices last night. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now at this moment. It doesn't matter how guilty you feel or how far you feel like you've fallen for God or it seems like God is a million miles away. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God, will be saved. Wherever you're at, say, Jesus, save me. Jesus save you. When you call on him, he hears your prayers, he forgives your sins, and he makes it brand new. If you're watching on phone or by TV or computer, or you're here physically, those of you who say, I want that. I want his forgiveness. I want his grace. If you'll say that today, God will infuse you with his love and his power and His cleansing and His presence. He'll forgive you so completely, it'll feel like you never did anything wrong. You won't be a better version of yourself. You'll be a new person in Christ Jesus. 
Those of you who want to say yes to that, Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I give my life to you. Lift your heart to God. Type it in the chat. I'm giving my life to Jesus today. I'm giving my life to Jesus. Wherever you are, wherever you're at, would you pray this prayer with me? Church, pray it with me. Heavenly Father, pray it with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me. Forgive me for all my sins. Jesus, save me. Change me. Make me do. Give me both both desire and the power to do what pleases you. That's what I want. Right now, wherever you're at, say, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power so I can walk with you. So I can trust you. So I can worship you daily. Now, right now, say, my life isn't my own anymore. I give it all to you. Put your life and your passion in me, Jesus. Help me to do whatever I'm doing for you enthusiastically. Because you've saved me and you've given me victory over sin and death. My life no longer belongs to me. It belongs to you in Jesus' name. Could somebody enthusiastically give a hand clap to God for the people that prayed that prayer today? Can you give that to the Lord? Can you clap your hands, all you people? Can you shout into God? Somebody say, shout hallelujah. Say, my sins are forgiven. I'm right with God. I'm enthusiastically excited about the Lord. Amen. Josh, if you'll come forward and give them a few details before you leave. Hey, how many got an insert when you came in today? How many got a paper insert? If you didn't get one, please get one. Ushers, be ready. Here's why. I did something this week. If you flip on the back of your insert, I wrote, talk it over. The Holy Spirit really put this on my heart. I put, talk it over. Here's what I want you to do. Everybody look at me a second. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take today's sermon. I want you to find a friend. I want you to find somebody. Look around you. I want you to find a friend. Or if you're here with your family, I want you to do it with your family. Or get a group of people and do the talk it over. And let's let this message get inside of us. Josh.